Hello, Dennis. Hello. Hot tip, Jesse. We have three hot tips today. Three hot tips to make your liturgy more exciting. And they come from Christopher Karstens. And it's an imperative that you listen to them. Absolutely imperative. You'll understand that joke later. Uh, this is our last episode of this season. Right, as we go on our hiatus. Summer hiatus, but we're going to start again in the fall. And maybe we'll sneak in a bonus episode or a coffee talk or something. Yeah, occasionally we have somebody visit the Liturgical Institute and we want to sit down and have a conversation. And occasionally Dennis and I want to have a conversation without Chris, so that may happen too. That's like all the time. Yeah. But without further ado, episode 36 of season three of The Liturgy Guys. I want more ado. How much more ado would you like? Lots. All right. Enjoy. I'm going to talk to you today about the Mass. The liturgy is what enculturates the gospel for us. What are you, some kind of altar boy? And, and it enculturates it into our day-to-day life, our, our day-to-day existence. It's pretty dang exciting, huh? We're called not to some crapshoot called life, but to an adventure in fidelity that beckons us to cast out to the deep. The Liturgical Institute is proud to present The Liturgy Guys. And that's what I want to suggest, is three things that it's imperative that you do at Mass. I love a good Chris list. Yeah. I know. Yeah. See, this, this is a total difference of temperament. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, yeah, what am I going to talk about today? Oh, let's grab Vitruvius and see what comes up. He's like, I've got three things carefully worked out. Super precise. We're going we're to be talking about three hot tips that yeah. will make your liturgy experience <laughs> dynamite. See, now you're mocking me. No, this is what clickbait is. Girls, is your man bored at Mass? <laughs> Try these three tips. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Go ahead, Chris. Uh, so in the Mass, as far as I can tell, in the order of Mass, there are three imperatives, three uses of the imperative that Detail. are used uh, for the people. There's ones where that you can find when you, when you uh, uh, speak to God or there's some in the priests, uh, private prayers. As I get, but the, there's three that we would hear, the lay people would hear, Ooh, spoken to, to them. Well, Dennis named one. I think I know another one. Okay, so what was the first one again? Well, it's at the end of Mass, but ite. Ite. Okay, go. it means go, so it's a mm-hmm. command to go. So it's not an invitation of, mm-hmm. hey, why don't we go? Or perhaps he, they're going. Go. It's a command to go. All right, so there's one. What's ite a Joseph, they would say all the time. Go uh, to Joseph. Go to Joseph. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah. My other one is do this in memory of me. Oh. Uh, what's the, what is the Latin on there? Do this. Accipite at. Bibite. But those are eat and drink, right? Like, take uh, this. That's the. I don't, yeah, it, it is. What, what is it in the? Uh, but, These but this four is, things. No, no, no. The, I said there, there, there's there's yeah. some that assure, that assure that come up in other parts of the mass. Okay. But the priest is not speaking to you at this point. Okay. Well, I have I have another okay. one. I have okay. a, I had a backup one in case okay. that one failed. Um, pray, brethren. Orate fratres. Yep. Okay. Pray, brethren. So yeah. So that's an imperative. And, <laughs> and what's the uh, what's the third one? It's the what, third one I'm thinking. What part of Mass is it? Is it let, let us pray? Any of that? No, that's, no, no, see, that's a subjunctive. That's subjunctive. Yeah. So um, at the orate fratres, it's orate fratres. At the let us pray, it's oremus. So oh, it's, that's it's right. Let us pray, but at orate fratres, mm-hmm. it's pray. Yeah, achipite right? at manducate ex hoc omnes. So keep going. Take this, all of you. Hoc est enum corpus meum quod pro vobis traditor. Hmm. This is my body which will be given up for you. Okay. That's how they translate it in English. All right. right. I'm at a loss for that third You're one. You're at a loss because it's... Oh, po- here it is. Hoc facite in meum. Facite. Take this. Do this. Do facite this in memory imperative. of me. Sure. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're going to leave that one out because it's not something the priest is saying to you. Okay. 
Okay. Uh, there's, the third one is, I think, unrecognizable because the translation is poor. It's offerte vobis pacem. Mm. Offerte vobis pacem. But they translated it, let us offer each right, other. Right. Offer the peace. Yeah. So in Latin, it's uh, offer the peace. Okay. Darn it. But in, uh, it. in uh, English, it's let us offer each other. So they've gone from the imperative, the command, to the, to the invitation or the subjunctive, the, some possible action. All right, mm. so there, there are some other ones that at the, uh, at the, uh, after you would kneel uh, during the Good Friday intercessions or after a uh, litany of the saints, lavate, I think is what it is. Stand up. But we say, let us stand. Let us stand, yeah. We're We're not that militaristic Roman language. Yeah. But what I was wondering, and, you know, we don't want to make something where something ain't, but I was wondering if in these three instances of the uh, imperative, these commands, I mean, we believe that language is sacramental, Mm -hmm. that the words we use, how we use them, whether we sing them, and the rest— they're trying to sacramentalize and bring before us a certain type of reality and a certain type of action. So if we look at these three instances, is there something that um, we should think about the next time we go to Mass and we hear these words that might inspire us or uh, have us act or pray or move differently having considered and heard that these uh, these things are commands? Yeah, starting at the end. Okay. Go, go bring this out to the world. Like that's a real, go make disciples of all nations kind of command, right? Is that like the Great Commission in a small form? Uh, well, I think it is actually. There's a, I, I think there's a pretty interesting parallel here, right? Because um, uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verse 19 or 29, right? This is right at the Ascension, where what does Jesus say to them? Go, therefore baptizing all nations, or teaching all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And there's almost a kind of a parallel thing that happens at the end of the Mass. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Ite misa est, go, the Mass is ended. So almost, you know, right before the Ascension is sort of symbolically and sacramentally reenacted at the end of the Mass. So there's this Blessing in the name of the Trinity, like the person the of the, the Trinity, cross, right? and yeah, and then there's the the command to go out. So, but just no, it's very different from go and have a nice day, everybody. Mm-hmm. And even um, you know when they when they went from the sacramentary in 1985 to the third edition of the Roman Missal, uh, like a dismissal formula from the sacramentary was the mass is ended, go in peace. But now all four of the dismissal formulas begin with. Go, 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 go. Go, the Mass is ended. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Go forth glorifying the Lord by your life. Go in peace. So they're they're trying to, in the Word, they're trying to get into your ear a different type of meaning that uh, you're supposed to leave and and go Mm -hmm. out and transform the world. This makes me think a lot of um, people who had encounters with Christ in in Scripture because he often... After a healing or after an encounter with somebody, there was a yeah. they were commissioned to do something. Go, go and sin, sin no more. more. Yeah, go and do this. Yeah. Or he commanded, um, uh, who's the guy who he resurrected from Lazarus? Lazarus. Go, you know, 
come Lazarus, out. come yeah. out. Or go right. and don't tell anybody. Right. That's yeah, that's an odd one, yeah. too. Oftentimes he says to go and don't tell anybody. The mass has ended. They, don't tell anybody <laughs> you were here. <laughs> but no, in those gospel accounts, so do they ever listen yeah. to him? Nope. No. They never do. And I see, think it's just a marketing see, tactic. <laughs> the thing at the mass, you have this, if you know how to pray the mass and the mass is celebrated well, I mean, you, you've had this real encounter, mm-hmm. this salvific encounter with Jesus Christ that you cannot but help go and tell other people about it. Right. And I think this has probably come up in other podcasts, too. I mean, do you recall what the what the germ, the general instruction says about the concluding song? There is none that there is none. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It actually says it specifically like that. There's uh, no it's, concluding song. It says it by not accounting for it. Uh-huh. It talks about the entrance song and the offertory song and the communion song. And there's nothing at yeah, the, at the you know, conclusion. I've, I've often been railing against the closing him since mm-hmm. it doesn't exist but i never thought of it theologically right if you've just received the eucharist you're fired up go make uh you know disciples of all nations uh no i, I gotta sing a song first that and then stop sense, by right? the booth at the and the narthex to see if you can to buy script yeah <laughs> <laughs> tickets for the pancake supper knights yeah. of columbus but i can imagine that in latin i mean i don't i'm not fluent in latin but i can imagine that those phrases would stand out in the language in a way that I mean, maybe they would in English, well, but we've changed yeah. them to the subject. Well, that's just it, is when we've changed them, we, have not, we are not sacramentalizing authentically what they want you to hear. Mm-hmm. We're making the sacramental word or, or music muffled, unclear, less powerful than it otherwise like would be. Yeah. But you're right, though. I always think, you know, we always want that da 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 bump. You know, we have the bookend, you know. Oh, okay, now I can go back and watch the Packers or whatever it is that, uh, that we're doing. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. imagine how Mass would end. Um, uh, go forth, the Mass is ended. Thanks be to God. That's it. It kind of gives you that feel of uh, unfinished business, which I think is part of the theology or the psychology, the sacramentality that, oh, yeah, I've got to go out Hear now. Hear that, music directors? Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. open up the organ, let the building shake, and people feel the power of God they as they go out the door. Yeah. yeah, but whatever happens, you know, in your parish, I mean, this at least should be what's going through your mind. This dismissal is this command to go out and to transform the world. Okay, mm-hmm. let's I take like one it. of the other two. You're smart, Chris. Uh, orate fratres. Orate, right. So we said before that when, for the opening prayer, for example, or the other presidential prayers, it's oremus. It's mm-hmm. an invitation to pray. Let us pray. But in this instance, it's not subjunctive. It is imperative. imperative. How come? Okay. Well, that's, let me, I'll ask the question. Oh. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I'll answer no, the question. Well, that, this is good, though. <laughs> why, uh, why would it be, uh, why would the priest not be inviting you to pray here, but commanding you to pray? I think I have an idea. You'll have to tell me if I'm right, though. Well, I don't know what the right answer is in all these cases. I mean, if you, way to show your cards. But no, it's good to, you know, what, what, <laughs> yeah. what's behind this? Why, yeah. if, if you think of the Jewish temple ritual, right, the, okay. the high priest would be going into the Holy of Holies, right, through the veil. And going into the, the glory of God, and nobody could go get him, right? Because no one could go in there except the high priest. And Didn't so, you say once that they used to tie a, a rope? I heard that. Yeah, Is I that heard from that. you. Well, this yeah, there, true. there's a legend that they used to tie a rope around the leg of the high priest in case he died in there. They could yank him out by his ankles. But I've also <laughs> heard that that's not true. But but it gives you whether it's accurate or not. It actually gives you the sense of what it means to go in the presence of God. If you think like the Old Testament. The presence of God is often awesome, but the presence of God is sometimes not awesome if you screw up, right? You're dead, you're drop dead, thousands of people drop dead, you turn into a pillar of salt, whatever it is. To go into the presence of God is a big deal. And they needed prayerful support, like Moses needed his arms raised to keep the prayer going. You know, oh, that's a great... So uh, this idea that the priest is actually saying to the people, I'm going to go take your petitions to the face of God. 
pray that this works, you know, that your sacrifice and mine may be acceptable. So that's my Well, and, and think too, I mean, imagine um, uh, we were on a walk one day uh, and the, the dog started following us on the farm. And we go past this other farm and the other neighbor's dog, right, uh, sees our dog and there's this dog fight. Right. So uh, my lovely wife, Mars, the goddess of war, what does she do? She steps right in between. Right. So I don't know. Would you do that? Step between two battling? Uh, uh, I wouldn't even do that if my kids were fighting. <laughs> I get between you, you and Jesse. I'll start someday. taking bets. Well, now think what the priest does. So you have God on the one hand who's offended by our uh, sin and our, you know, everything else. And we have us on the other hand. And what the priest is trying to do uh, the, the, step between these two factions or persons and try to keep them from being at animosity with one each other and, and uh, battling one another, but rather to bring them together. Right? So this is, Father Martis used to say that being a priest is the most dangerous job in the world because you dare to step in the breach. Um, this is what they said about Moses in one of the Psalms is that he, he withstood God in the breach when his anger uh, blazed up against the people. He said, no, 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 I'll just, I'll get in the middle of this. This is what the priest is doing at this point. He's about to go, they would sow subsecreto, under the, mm. under the veil and mediate between heaven and earth. This I guess is that's dangerous what stuff. pleading always is, right? Your God, we're not, we, destru- we deserve destruction, but please don't, right? Your God, we're not. Please give us something we're not entitled to, which is your own divine. But also life. with the with the Arate Fratres is that's the crucial part of the liturgy because if we are not, um, if, if our sacrifice, if we're not actually sacrificing as the body of Christ in that action, then then what's happening in the liturgy? If yeah. We are not actually actively participating right. in that sacrifice as fully as we could, right? Yeah. Well, I think that's a good, uh, uh, legitimate other um, meaning of this. It's not only the priest saying, pray for me as I do this, mm-hmm. please pray for me. But it's also a call to, it's a command to us that mm-hmm. uh, uh, my sacrifice and yours yeah. be acceptable. Right. So it's a command. Hey, what are you people doing there? You know, get your sacrifices up here that God may receive them for his glory and the good of uh, all the Holy Church. And I love hearing you say that, Jesse, because it's just you, it just shows how you're a theological sponge of absorbing the <laughs> mystical body of theology that we talk about all the time that the great liturgical reformers of the 20th century thought this is the essential question, right? If the mm-hmm. mystical body is the head and the members, that is the priest and the people, Christ and his members, the members should be doing what they're supposed to do. And the head wants to take them there and make, the head always wants the body to be healthy, not just to be the head on some kind of sickly body. So mm-hmm. the head and members, this is why this journal that Virgil Michael started, you remember what it was called? Uh, Arate Fratres? Yeah, there you go. Whoa. This is the liturgical journal. Mm-hmm. And then they changed it to worship, I guess, after the council. It doesn't have the same. It's in the 50s. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. It doesn't have the same... I don't know, depth of yeah. meaning, worship, okay, well. Well, it's certainly not uh, liturgically inspired. It like could be liturg- an imperative, though, right? <laughs> worship. Right? It could, but you see how Rate Frate is drawn right out of the liturgy, which mm-hmm. is the whole point of uh, the liturgical movement. There, you know, this other thing that you would only see, probably, or uh, here at the Liturgical Institute, the rubric at this point, right, is the priest says, pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable. And then there's a rubric that says, the people rise and reply. Yeah, but, and we stand up. but we don't do that right very much in this country. <laughs> no, we don't. But think about it. I mean, think about Moses withstanding God in the breach. Mm-hmm. Uh, somewhere else in the Old Testament, it talks, uh, maybe it's in, the, in Ezekiel, that God is looking for someone to, uh, to meet him in the breach. Mm-hmm. Rising, right? to, rising to the action. Yeah. So yeah. imagine, here's the priest saying, orate fratres, and you say, 
here I am. You stand up and you step into the breach yeah. to intercede. Stand up. Exactly. Yes, and we talked, we talked about this in the Postures podcast. If you stand up before he starts saying, or, you know, or as he's saying mm-hmm. that, then we're losing some of that. Well, the, the, the dynamics of worship is the high priestly action of Jesus Christ is made present in sacramental signs. And so those mm-hmm. sacramental signs, standing, speaking, language, singing, all of the rest can help to convey that reality, the priestly work of Jesus, so that we can participate in it, or they can obscure it a little bit. And so when we go soft on rubrics or we you know, gloss over in uh, uh, words or uh, translations or whatever, you know, it just it dulls the reality, the refulgent reality, which is Christ. And the, the people are the ones that are the, kind of on the receiving end of not being able to, to participate as fully. So, I mean, this is why liturgists get you know, uptight about these things is because there's so much writing on uh, how the liturgy is celebrated. Oh, come on, Chris. You're a legalist, wah, wah, ritualist. Wah, 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 wah. All right, let's go to the Rubricist. third one. Third one. Remember, what was that one again? Offerte vobis pacem. Oh, yeah. Offer the peace. <clears throat> yeah, so we translate it as let us offering. Let, let us offer <laughs> the sign of peace. But if uh, I, I should have said this at the beginning, disclaimer, you know, uh, I'm not a Latinist, so I think all this stuff is mm-hmm. right. But uh, yeah, it seems that offerte vobis pacem is an imperative, a command to offer the peace. But we say, let us offer the sign of peace. I don't know. What do you make of that? That's always been kind of a weird part of the mass, in, in my opinion, because mm-hmm. it seems like it's in a weird place, and I don't know where. I don't know the origins of that practice in the rite. I don't know when it was integrated into the liturgy, and so I, I just don't know a lot about it. So. Yeah, yeah. I don't know as much about it as I wish I did, but I, I do recall that this was under the papacy of uh, Pope Benedict. There was a kind of a worldwide consultation among bishops about moving the sign of peace because mm-hmm. some felt it was disruptive in that place, which maybe in your parish it is uh, disruptive. Mm-hmm. And so they wanted to move it, right? I think... Um, because at that time, the consecration has already happened. Sure. And so... I think some people that people that I talked to were kind of like, oh, you're going around shaking people's hand. At some point, turning, turning your back <laughs> yeah. to the altar with, yeah. with yeah. Christ on the altar. Well, and in the, uh, one of the Gospels, if you bring your gift to the altar and you find that uh, your brother has a grievance against you, leave your gift there and go make peace with him and then come back to the altar. So should the sign of peace be moved to a place earlier in the Mass, namely around the offertory? Anyway, so they... they if I remember this correctly, they took kind of a worldwide uh, canvassing of the bishops on on this point, and well, at least it's still uh, it's still where it is in in the mass. But it's always struck me, and you know, Dad, you can imagine we mm-hmm. talked about your kids fighting well, before. That's like their, well, that's their favorite mm-hmm. part of the mass when they get to shake everybody's hands. No, no, no. Let, let's go back to yeah. the kids fighting, and mm-hmm. you whether you're going to jump in the middle of that or not. But what what do you say to them when when they're done fighting? Uh, give each other a hug. Say yeah. sorry. Give each other. Yeah. Say you're sorry. Yeah. Give each other a sorry. hug. Yeah. And that, that's, that's not a heartfelt. That's apology. exactly how Isaac does it. He goes sorry. But that, that that's kind of struck me as that's what this offerti vobis pacem. You know, <laughs> give each other the peace. <laughs> say you're sorry. You know, but I don't know. But I, I think it uh, because it's uh, an imperative. It's a command that we do this. I do think that the church wants us to hear something that we perhaps otherwise don't. That you know the 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 gift of peace that uh, is a gift of the spirit that is uh, a characteristic of the mystical body of Christ living in its uh, full life and dynamism is 
is something that should be uh, should be real. And so I think we've talked about doing a podcast on the the gift of the sign of peace at Mass. That um, when was this is a recent. Uh, uh, pronouncement by the Congregation for Divine Worship on the gift of peace at Mass. Oh, that it should be moderate and only the people yeah, next to yeah. you. Yeah, this would be a good topic for the podcast. But I think, um, again, if the church is commanding us to hear this and to give the peace in that way, it's something that should you know make your ears perk up, just yeah. like any other command that you would hear you know throughout your life. I remember hearing years ago a, a talk at the Society for Catholic Liturgy meeting about the peace, and the, the presenter was making the difference making the distinction between the peace in the extraordinary form versus the ordinary form. And that in the extraordinary form, you received the peace, the priest received the peace by kissing the altar. And so in other words, Christ was the giver of the peace. Then the priest would receive it from kissing the altar. Then he would pass it on to the deacon who I guess would give it to the subdeacon or whoever. And then it kind of ended with the ministers in the sanctuary. So the idea was kind of to extend this out to the whole mystical body. But his argument was that it was actually quite different it wasn't, I'm receiving this from Christ and giving it to you, kind of like the light of the Paschal candle at the Easter Vigil, but instead, offer each other a sign of peace, right? So it's not the actual peace, right? It's not a symbol of peace or a sacrament of peace. It's a sign of peace. And so the handshake becomes not so much passing on the peace that's received through the headship of the priest, but uh, a fraternal kind of well-wishing. And it was an interesting eye-opening moment for me. I don't know, you know how people would argue whether that's an accurate way of representing it or not, but to see that distinct difference between Christ offers the peace and then you pass it around to just offer each other a sign of fellowship, which is essentially a different thing. And what do we say? The peace of the Lord be with you always and And with with your your spirit. spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Yeah, so it is is peace in Christ. Grant us peace in our day, we say during what what they call the embolism, I think, of the Lord's Prayer, right? So it's all about the the peace of Christ that he gives that the world does not give. So it is Mm. kind of a unique thing, but... Anyway, I think uh, for you know the liturgical movement sought for this uh, intelligent participation in uh, the liturgy. I don't know, we've contributed to that at all. But knowing that uh, the types of words that are used signify and sacramentalize different things is at least a start to, to think about these, be aware of them, and uh, let them to shape your prayer, your liturgical prayer at the Mass. So your so. message is... Pay attention to the imperatives. Right. Do your, it. Your imperative. Just do it. Insistence <laughs> upon. All right. Should we answer a question? Is it imperative that we do that? It's, it's not imperative, but let us. Okay. May let we, we let us Shall answer we? a question. Yes. So why go to the Liturgical Institute? Well, if you want to serve the church and do liturgical studies from the heart of the church, you won't find any place quite like this. This place is faithful to the magisterium, but it's a dynamic orthodoxy, not dry. And at the same time, it not only makes the faith come alive, it also empowers you to help that be the experience for others as well. Hi, I'm Dr. Scott Hahn, and I want to warmly recommend the Liturgical Institute for your consideration. Pray about going and studying and sharing the richness of our living tradition. Mail call! Oh, Moses, Moses, why do you question me? Why do you care? Today, we have a similar debate over this. Anyone know what this is, class? Anyone? All right. We have a question this week from Stephen. Stephen says, hello, liturgy guys, exclamation point. Hello, Stephen, exclamation point, exclamation point. Ooh, Ooh. a double exclamation point. Chris, what do you have to say to Stephen? Thumbs up emoticon. All right. Chris is uh, silent for now. Stephen says, my fiance and I really met with... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my, fiance, my fiance and I recently met with the rector of our cathedral to discuss scripture readings and music selection for our wedding. Mm-hmm. Oh, congrats, Stephen. 
We desire to have Ave Verum Corpus played at communion time. Which means hail true body, correct? Mm -hmm. We were told by the rector that according to the Roman Missal, any piece played at communion time must be a hymn. Uh, And then he says, for the sake of curiosity, I would like to know if his interpretation of the Roman Missal is in fact accurate slash correct. Thank you and God bless. I think it's fair to say outside of the Gloria and Good Friday, there is no place in the Roman Missal where it says there must be a hymn. In fact, hymns are usually not not the first option at all. Um, And so the idea that there must be a hymn is, uh, I think, a questionable position. But what about the particulars of what's sung after communion, Chris? Uh, At or after? Uh, That's kind of two things. At, after, at, yeah. at communion, it's the same options uh, for what can be sung as uh, the options for the entrance. When we say at communion, we mean during the communion procession. When yeah, during communion. To receive yeah, communion. There's, uh, we've done a podcast on this before, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's uh, the antiphon from the Roman Missal or the Roman Gradual, the antiphon with its psalm from the Simple Gradual, the antiphon in its psalm from another collection of antiphons and psalms approved by or the bishops. Or some other liturgical or chant. a liturgical... Yeah. Cantus, yes, yeah. however you translate. Like that. Yeah, so um, there's a lot of options for what can be sung. This um, just says at communion time. Yeah, so let's say it's during communion. So a, a hymn can be sung, but what makes Ave Verum Corpus different from... Uh, it has liturgical text? From, from, from another example of a communion hymn. Uh, one bread, one body. Okay, what makes Ave Verum Corpus different from one bread, one body? One is about the sort of worship of the sacrament, say in a benediction setting, rather than the people receiving, I would say there's kind of a difference in emphasis. Uh, and the yeah, certainly be singing the, there are merits and demerits, but yeah, that's what I think it is. Uh, but in terms of, I think, the law, they're the, they're the same. I mean, one, one's a hymn in Latin and one's a hymn in English, mm-hmm. right? But mm-hmm. what's the difference? I guess the Latin Ave Verum Corpus would have been sung by the choir or a okay. cantor, and so people wouldn't be singing. All it. right, here's your options for who can do uh, the singing. So uh, what... Germ 87, it, it sends you back to the options for singing the uh, opening song, which is at number 48. It says, this chant is sung alternately by the choir and the people, or similarly by cantor and the people, or entirely by the people, or by the choir alone. Four options. So alternating between people and choir, people and cantor, entirely by the people, or entirely by uh, the choir. And this Sounds is like a lot of options there. At oh, we're talking about at communion now, right? Well, yeah. What, what it says in the Germ 87, it will say, can be sung in the manner as described for the entrance chant, which is at number 48. So okay, I just read right out of General Instruction, Roman Missal number 48. So it can be a hymn, uh, and it can be sung by the choir. Mm-hmm. So I Sounds so. like Stephen should just say, hey, rector, the Ave Verum is a hymn. Yeah. It's just in Latin. No, what Stephen could do is, uh, I mean, all of this should be in, in a... Charitable and just and uh, uh, truthful conversation between the, the pastor and the people. So yeah, I mean he, just he should talk to, crack to the pastor. Out Germ eighty-seven <laughs> and forty-eight or whatever it is. Just yeah, eighty-seven and forty. All right, Stephen. I hope this answers your question. And if you have a question for us, you can email us at questions at, at liturgyguys.com or tweet us at liturgyguys. Thank, Thank you, you and God, God bless. Now that's a podcast. The Liturgy Guys is produced by the Liturgical Institute. If you like what you've heard today, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And be sure to check out liturgicalinstitute.org to discover more about our degree programs, public events, and publications. 
Refresh your soul and renew the church at what Bishop Robert Barron calls one of the very best places in the country to receive formation in the Catholic liturgical tradition.